the holidays are here. Browse metal merch and music on the Metal Blade Records Indie Merch Store now through December 31st for 15% off all products with the promo code MBRXMAS21. That's Metal Blade Records Christmas 21. MBRXMAS21. Even more discounts are available on select items from Amana Marth, Behemoth, Surath Ungol, Ensiferum, Goat Whore, King Diamond, Sacred Rite, and more. The 15% off promo is valid on discounted items for even more discounts. Find the perfect metal gift for yourself and your metal friends and family. Go to MetalBladeStore.com or IndieMerch.com slash MetalBladeRecords. One more one more time, guys. MetalBladeStore.com or IndieMerch.com slash Records and use the 15% off promo code M-B-R-X-M-A-S-21. Merry Christmas from Metal Blade Records. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What's going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petar Spych. I am always joined by the lovable, the huggable, the rambunctious. Oh, I like that. Hello, mi amigo. It is your buddy, Gooch. Brandon Hahn, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy, Gooch. And also make sure to follow our other two co-hosts, guys. That is for Sylvia Alvarado, at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram, and Jocelyn Sharp. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. She is at The Wizard of Jaws on TikTok. You guys want to follow me? I am at our other podcast handles. That is at Rise to Offend on Twitter and Facebook. Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, back on the show. Always a great time. I got Jamie Morgan from Code Orange, and we are here to celebrate the new single, standalone single, Out for Blood. It is out right now, guys. But before we jump into the interview with Jamie, we always like to talk a little bit about the Metal Sucks news. It's a failed education we're giving you, manipulating facts with opinions. We got you in the palm of our hands Pushing you to hate is part of the plan So thanks for the power you've gifted us We're worthy of your mind and all of your trust Dying for our cause, you'll never regret it It's Metal Sucks News, prepare for your lesson We'll take good care of your soul You'll be safe under our control First news story we want to talk about Now, I'm just going to read the headline, bro We've been doing the Marilyn Manson talk for, you know, God, it's been over a year with all these accusations, but Marilyn Manson's home was raided, hard drive seized by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, and he is not home when they took all this stuff. Bro, mmm, mmm. I don't even know. I don't even want to know what kind of weird pictures he has of sheep. And animals, and just God knows where he's his dick. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not even saying he's the kind of guy. You know, it's just he would just do it for the story. I I I don't want to work, at, you know, for the police or look through people's hard drives. I'm scared of. I, I'm very not like stalkerish. I don't want to know that's your personal business, right? But 
if I had this job, man, I would, I don't know, I'd be frightened, man, like what you're going to see. Well, this is like the coup de grace. I, like, I think Marilyn Manson's hard job, drive is going to be nothing but criminal activities. <laughs> That's what I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, not only, not only is it going to show some really crazy sexual shit, but it's also going to show some offshore accounts in Sri Lanka. And, Dude, he's gonna he's and just going to have a picture of him Swiss, stabbing a Sweden. child in the head or something. Yeah. Like, I just Anything, like, I would not be surprised if any craziness came off of these hard drives. Like, not surprised at all. Like, I mean, I I don't want to say murdering children, even though I did already. I'm just saying, like, there is no limit to what might be found on there. What do you think is the worst possible... Oh, this is a hard question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you think is the worst possible thing that Marilyn Manson's capable of that would be on those hard drives? Are you kidding? We just covered (laughs) all of that joking, okay? Like, we just covered all of that joke, half joking. Oh, man. Dude, okay, so I said we, we made a bet in 2020 if Manson was going to go to jail for all this stuff. I was the only one on the show that said, yeah, you actually were like, no. So now that they got these hard drives in their possession, do you still think Marilyn Manson's not going to do jail time? Uh, dude, the thing is, is when it comes to when it comes to him or just anybody with money, like I'm just convinced that anybody with money is already um, is already going to get off. They're already above the law. It seems. Like. Oh, really? You know, like I mean, it, we look I at just look, see at, it look at Harvey to... Weinstein or Bill Cosby or a lot of these you know sexual predators. They didn't get off, dude. I I, I, I mean, get, they got, they got, I, get I guess Bill Cosby got off eventually, but not originally, right? Right, right, and it's like I just don't. See, I don't have any faith in the law when it comes to people with money. I mean, it's like we've seen the people with money; they're ruining, they're ruining this country as it is, you know. And so are the, so is the government. Everyone's at fault here. I'm not one of these people that wants to blame the rich and then not blame the government, then blame the government and not blame the rich. But I'm just, I'm just convinced that they can get away with whatever they want. Now, in Marilyn Manson's case, I am leaning more towards that something's going to happen because at this point, you have to make an example out of some of these guys and why not start with Marilyn Manson, especially if he's going to have pictures like Bill Cosby, you know, he didn't know how to use a camera phone or anything like that. Marilyn Manson, on the other hand, like he's been probably recording some of this shit just to have on hand. Like Bill Cosby was like, let me just get the Spanish fly and do something dastardly. And Marilyn Manson's like, let's do something dastardly, but let me make sure I capture this for the memories. You know, you're saying he's more R. Kelly than Louis C.K. is what you're saying. Absolutely. And putting R. Kelly and Louis C.K. in the same sentence is ludicrous. It's dumb. Well, you know what I mean? Like, if there's a scale of sexual predators, yes, R. Kelly would be kind of to the top. And Louis C.K. Yes. would be creepily at the bottom. I'm with you on that. Creepily at the bottom. But it's still creepy sitting as fuck. There like, Come on. All right. Like a troll in the corner. But, hey, at least he's funny. <laughs> at, least he asked, at least he asked for consent. So, <laughs> so you feel, now that we're, we're full-blown into this rape sexual predator talk i know people hate it but you feel that manson's more towards the scale of r kelly than louis ck where do, where is your thoughts i feel okay like i feel like with marilyn manson when you i mean he's a young guy when he was being told he was a god and the antichrist and all this other stuff and i think that when you 
build a career around that kind of persona, you buy into it. Now, look at him. He's way older now. You know, like, look, look at the personas that we've all taught ourselves how to be when we were in our younger years. You know what I mean? Like, we felt like we had to live up to some expectation. Well, now the guy is not the same guy, and that's why he just wants to stay out of the spotlight. You know, and it's like eventually – Eventually, you start getting tired of the sound of your own voice, apparently. I mean, that's what it looks like anyway. But with Marilyn Manson, it's just like, you know, like, just imagine, like, all that crazy shit that, you know, you and I did when we were kids. Like, whenever, whether it was like, ah, I got into a bar fight. Oh, you, Gooch, you bag. But it wasn't like, ah, you know, I put a baloney helmet on some chick and then pissed on her fucking head and then had sex with her and then put it, you know, it's just, it just basically just fighting all these unique ways to abuse someone or just kind of make them feel beneath you. That's Marilyn Manson's type of thing. I just think it's all ego. Yeah, it's narcissism. I, I'm with you, man. I think that there's going to be some stuff on there. And yeah, I don't have any really, any actions that are regrets. I never harmed people like physically in any kind of way. So I, I, but I'm sure verbally, you know, I got a lot of apologies to do growing up. Like as a kid, I'm sure I fucking, he definitely said some foul shit to people and uh, yeah, that I probably shouldn't have gone through. Yeah. You know, so I definitely I definitely have those apologies. But as far as like what would you find on my computer? Nothing. I don't give a fuck. Uh, that's what I'm saying, dude. It's but like, again, I, I'm not on the scale of Louis C.K. to Maryland. To, to Mar- I'm not on the R. Kelly. I'm, a, I'm not even on that scale. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Well, like, my my me, mother loved me way like, too much for me to treat women wrong. <laughs> I don't right, know. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like for me, it's like you might find a, some pictures on my, on my computer to like, you know, maybe a dick pic I sent an old girlfriend just trying to be funny or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, something you were similar. trying to be funny. You were like, look at my dick. Funny. <laughs> yeah, look Predator. at my dick. Ha ha. That's that. No, I told you about, I told, about, I I told you what my, the only dick pic I've ever sent, right? I've only sent yeah. one. I know. I and know. it was like, yeah, yeah. And I told you, I was like, well, share the story. Like, we're talking about your one dick pic. Share the story, bro. My one dick pic, I just, it was just like, this, this is years ago. She went out of town, and I took a picture of my dick, but then I put I took it next to a piece of paper. And then on the piece of paper, I wrote, like, a talk box that just said, miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think that's a, I don't think that's a sexual predator. I think you're okay. I don't think that's a sexual predator. What was the person's but response? She just it was just like, she just laughed. Okay, good. No, you hit you hit the which is look. what I was going for. I think that's what Louis C.K. was going for. No, I'm kidding. Bad joke. No, I don't think he was going for that <laughs> at all. I don't think he was going for that at all. He's like, this is my closer. Like, nope. This is my closer. Oh my god. All right. Well, dude. Okay, we're t- we're in 2021. We're jumping into 2022. Is Marilyn Manson going to jail now that they seized his computer? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You, you're on my side. I think he's going to to jail, bro. I, I didn't think it originally. No, I, didn't I know. Think it originally, but it's like, but now, I mean, especially with how they're going after him, and especially with him teaming up with Kanye and Justin Bieber and like trying to record these gospel tracks, whatever the fuck he's doing. It's just, he he's, I, I, it's funny because it's like his whole point to his career was being this image, this antichrist image. And now it's like he's kind of realizing that it really screwed him. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know why I had a feeling when I was a kid that Marilyn Manson. I always thought that Marilyn Manson wouldn't age and he would die young. I don't know. He was one of those guys right. where I'm like, this guy is going to burn oh, out because he seems well, so extreme. And now he's just like, right. you know. He's oh, just, my God. And boy, to age. I mean, God damn. Dude, Kid Rock is looking fuckable next to Marilyn Manson. <laughs> I mean, it's like, 
God damn. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll tell you all these hoes. I'm from Detroit. <laughs> yeah, I die. yeah, just Detroit till I die, motherfucker. Yeah. Anyways, moving on to the next story, man. Yep, we now we're all decided Marilyn Manson is going to jail. And, yeah, and exactly. That. Bring it up, bring it up, fucking bring it up banging Kid Rock is gonna be what pushes us off any topic that we don't want to discuss. Before we move on, what's the chances of there being nothing on those hard drives at all? Nothing? Like oh, dude, nothing. there's something. There's something. And I'm gonna tell you, and I'm gonna tell you, here's the thing. It's not just I not only am, is he worried. But so are the dozens of celebrity friends that he has that has partied with him pretty fucking hard. Like Johnny Depp has partied pretty fucking hard with that dude. Like there's a lot of guys, dude, that have done that have burnt the midnight oil with Marilyn Manson. And God knows the fucking stories they have, dude. Twiggy Ramirez, when they fucking sacrificed him to the altar. Oh, tw- there's nobody happier than Twig right now. Twiggy's like, I knew it was coming. <laughs> thank, dude. thank God, God I'm out of this. Yeah. Thank God, yeah, thank God my band wasn't called Twiggy Ramirez or else everybody would fucking know about it. Now it's like Twiggy's like, take all that heat, bro. I'm out. You know what would be the best karma? And I, I hate to say this, but you know how Trent Reznor was like, Marilyn Manson's a piece of shit, and he just threw him under the bus. And I was like, bro, you created that guy. Like, I, I remember I was a little upset. and like, look, you're right. And Trent, I'm sure you know him personally and all that stuff. So um, I get it. But, like, you were a part of that fucking beast rising. Yeah. You know? like, you, like, yeah and he, exactly. I'm like, you were I'm a like, part of it. He might have taken it to the next level, but the, the worst karma ever is if there's something on that that incriminates Trent Reznor. You know, that's the worst thing. If there's a picture well, of him doing something shady with Manson, like you brought up the Johnny Depp stuff, which I thought about, that's the first person I thought about. I'm like, what if fucking something comes out and now that dude's in trouble? It, dude, exactly, this could this know? could be a landmine for a lot of lot of people. You're right. Yes, you know? dude. I'm telling you, it's crazy. And it's like, think about that, dude. Johnny Depp, like part of one of the biggest movie franchises of all time right now. I mean, how many pirates movies are we gonna make? No, I, you know what I mean? It's I just, thought you meant a nightmare on Elm Street. No, I'm kidding. A nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. But I'm just saying, it's like how many more times are they gonna resurrect, you know, J- Captain Jack Sparrow? And that's Disney, dude. Like whenever these Disney guys get caught up with some nonsense, it's crazy, man. Like either the story just kind of loses heat or or it's the biggest scandal of all time. So Well, these computer that, and that's where we're at. These computers can can start up a scandal and if nothing comes to this, bro, I will be like I, I guess I'll put him down to Lewis. Not Lewis. He can't go down to Lewis CK level. But, you know, he, he's obviously, again, I expect R. Kelly's going to look like a saint after what they find on the computer. That's how intense I think we're going to get shit on this dude. Anyways, moving on. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want the entertainment. I don't want him to go down. I am a fan my whole life of Marilyn Manson, obviously. But look, dude, you got to pay the piper if you want to, if, if narcissism is your way and you, you treat people as like he did. I'm sorry, man, but there's no, there's no way around it. For sure. So, but we'll see. We will see. Next story I want to talk about. The Word Alive is a band that obviously a bunch of cool dudes. That's what I'm going to say. They're currently on tour with Starset. Starset put out a fantastic record. If you guys haven't checked that one out, also check out whatever The World Alive has got out right now. I have not checked that out. I'm just letting you know. Starset? Starset's good. Horizons? Yeah, Horizons. It's dope. I like that record. Anyways, I don't know about the new World of Life, but if you guys are fans, it's cool. Let's let's just tell this story. So they got their gear stolen in Michigan. Something that happens at bands, and this is crippling for bands. 
so many times the fans in the metal world come out when they do a Patreon or a GoFundMe and they hook them up and they get their gear back. I'm, a classic story just happened to Russian circles. Anyway, so the world alive, smart enough, got some of those Apple Air Tags, which is, I mean, I think that should be like a guarantee for every band out there to have these Air Tags on their gear. And they cost 29 bucks. A four pack is 100. So they're not super expensive, but if you put them in different places, you're going to you're gonna find your gear, right? So they did that. They didn't get the authorities involved. They drove to the house where their stolen shit was, okay? And then as a group, they walked up to the door and knocked on the door. What do you think would have occurred from this? And what are your thoughts of them not getting authorities involved? Uh, I... I think if you get authorities involved, though, it's like I can understand why you wouldn't, because if you get authorities involved, it's not like they're going to go, all right, here's your shit. Bye. You know, that's it's going to be impounded. I imagine it would. OK, granted, I could be completely wrong, but it's like I imagine it would be impounded and you wouldn't get it for months. You know what I mean? And then it's like so then the worst case scenario is maybe you get your insurance company involved and then, you know, you buy it and then you get recount uh, re. Uh, just recompensated or Look, is, it, is that the word I'm thinking of recompensated? Yes. If you're, is if you're insured, you would get, if your insurance claim went through, yeah, yes, all that stuff. I, I get you. But me personally, I think that it's a huge mistake to walk up to someone's door well, knowing they stole your stuff are, and not getting authorities tweakers You know, I have no idea. Tweakers and crackheads. It's like, you have no fucking clue, man. So it's like, and then it's like, they, and here's the deal. Like what would happen if you, would have went up there. Well, it, I can understand. Like, let's just say you didn't want to get authorities involved, and you go up there like, "Look, I have, I've already released this address to several of my friends. If we die, you're done. You know what I mean? Just give me back our shit, and uh, and we'll move on." Like, there must, there had to have been some kind of a threat there. That well, I mean, I think there's an immediate threat if someone stole your stuff and you're going to be like, hey, I'm calling you out. I mean, I think there is. But I'm telling you, man, I, I worked when I was uh, you know 16 years old. I'll never forget this. I was out pushing carts at a grocery store and um, I pushed the carts in the corral area and the meat manager came out and grabbed some dude's shirt and the dude turned around and stabbed him. Right. And ran. Right. He stabbed him because he stole some meat and he put it in his pants. And this this meat manager survived. Everything was okay, but he got stabbed over I don't know how much, a pound, you know, whatever twenty dollar thing of meat, right? Right. That's the kind of people that are stealing shit out there. Like for you to walk up to them and be like, "Hey, let's just hope this goes the right way." I don't know, man. It's like altercations change lives forever, and. I understand that there is definitely this this vibe of, hey, we don't want to get authorities involved. They might get things worse. But to protect yourself, I don't know, man. So anyways, they went out there, balls out. They're like, hey, we're just going to knock on the door and tell these guys you stole our stuff. We have our air tags. And what ended up happening, they ended up becoming friends with them. And they gave them uh, weed and liquor to get their stuff back. Your thoughts on the befriending the thieves part? Go. Okay, number one, not friends. It was here. Let me give you drugs and booze to get my shit back. Friends. No. Like, if you would have showed up and they would have been like, all right, man. And then they would have offered them drugs and booze. Then fine. Now you now all of a sudden you have a reason to make friends. They stole your shit. And then you show up to get your shit. Now they feel bad. And they're like, guess we're sorry. Here's some weed and booze. But no, you show up with weed and booze to get your stuff back. And now you're saying we're making friends. They ain't your fucking friends. Fuck those guys. 
I'm glad you took a picture with him, and I'm glad everybody knows that they're, they're going to steal your shit. Don't forget, like, guys that do that, like, this is one thing that pisses me off about outlaw culture. Every, it's, it's, it's all about, like, yes, it does tie into rock and roll, booze and drugs and just, ah, you know, people are just trying to do what they got to do to get by, you know. But just like you said, if you catch some of these people in the middle of the act, they're going to, a fighter is going to kick in, and you don't know if you're going to get fucking stabbed. You don't know. So going out there, going out there and putting it out there like, oh, this is the right move, even though everything worked out good in the end, except now they're down weeded booze. It's like, no, nah, man. You don't know nah. if you're going to get stabbed or if you have to stab someone. It's like either way, it's a lose-lose. Because if like, hey, I found my gear here, I didn't call authorities, and somebody rushes you and you stab them, let's just say, and something happens, you're now going to jail. Your tour's over. I don't see one positive of walking up to the door and saying, what's up guys? It worked out for them. So clearly, you know, that's cool. And they took pictures and, and all that stuff. But man, I got to tell you bands out there. Don't befriend your thieves, dude, get the authorities involved. No. Make, Cause those guys Cause are now going to do this to some other fucking band. I'm telling you. Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like guys, I don't, I, guys, we need booze and weed. I got an idea. Let's go steal some band shit and somebody will just bring it to us. And just let's, like <laughs> let's ask that big question of like, hey, what if these guys who obviously are okay with theft, what if an altercation does happen and someone does get hurt and this was a chance to take them off the street? That's another thing. You That's what I'm about. saying. Dude. You know, it's like, it's like, you, you know, so the world, again, I'm not going to judge the dudes in the word alive. They risk their asses for their gear. And it all worked out and everybody got friendly and all that stuff. But we have to realize, do people that are willing to do this to these bands and stuff like that, man, we don't, we don't need to put them on social media and say we're buddies. We don't need to glamorize them. You know, if you take yeah, their well, picture, be like, these guys stole our shit. Here's our proof. Call the cops and let at least the world know. Well, my thing is, though, is like, what do you have to benefit from that? You know, and that's what I'm saying. That's one thing. That's one thing I hate so much about clickbait and doing all this type of stuff is it's like everybody just wants to share these individual stories with the rest of the world. And I'm like, no dude, like these stories like that, they inspire so much more idiocy. So that's that we'll move on. I'm sorry. I'm a dad and I don't, I don't, I don't like these alterca altercations change lives or ruin lives. They hurt cold, a lot of things. And it's like, I really feel, you know, you get the right people involved to protect yourself at all costs. And I feel like this was a, a bad move on their part. Next story I want to talk about. And this story, <clears throat> now we don't really talk about uh, John Cooper from Enniskillet. Uh, a lot of times we'll stay, I'll stay away from bands and topics if I never heard a song by the band or don't know them, you know, quite frankly. And I'm not familiar with this band. I never know. Obviously, I know the name. I know there's a, a fan base out there. I know they're popular, all that stuff. So regardless, I don't want to, to really make a comment because I don't, I, I haven't taken the time to even check out the dude's art. Let's just say. So the only reason that we're talking about him this time, um, and he does make quite a few headlines on metalsucks.net of, of whatever nonsense he's saying, but he stated that um, he believes he's revolutionary and rage against the machine is government rock. Now, I'm, I'm going to let us talk about government rock, that phrase in a second, but I mean you the greatest protest band in history of music, in the history of music. I'm talking about Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, all that stuff from the 70s that was all about protesting the war. To me, without question, is Raids Against the Machine. 
because they brought anger, because they brought that vileness, and because they brought that just adrenaline and quote-unquote rage to the protest. It wasn't peaceful. They are the greatest of all time to me. What do you think about that statement I just made? Uh, there's some truth to it. I definitely think, I wouldn't say the greatest of all time. I mean, when I listened to, if you watch the documentary show on TV or at the Apple Plus or whatever, they have a documentary called 1971 where they show basically it was the Vietnam War, p- protest music was starting to really sh- you know, shine a light on some of these things like Crosby, Stills, and Nash and stuff. They rose... I mean, so much awareness. And this was real shit. I'm sorry. Like, Vietnam was just the ugliest thing in the world. And um, that music at that time showed everybody that you could make a difference. So when I look at, when I think about protest music, I do look at the 70s and I'm like, all right, I always, I always got to give it to the people that did it first. Rage Against the Machine took it to such another level. And they, they just brought in so many different emotions. Um, all those bands that were writing songs about protesting, yeah, those there was sadness and there was anger in those in those um, lyrics. Like when you listen to Ohio by Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young, it's like that's a very they're not happy, they're pissed. And uh, but it doesn't sound pissed. Rage Against the Machine, it's like half these times, half the time you didn't even know what they were screaming about. You were angry with them, and then when you did your research, you're like, oh, okay, I'm getting an idea of who Che Guevara was. You know, because nobody knew who that was until we saw them wearing T-shirts of them or having them on their drum heads. It's just like Rage Against the Machine brought a whole new mindset to the generation after the boomers. So it was the Generation X. So they were they were the the, the protest music for Gen Xers. <clears throat> yeah, but I think they, they stand the test of time so much more where their stuff's very, very relevant, you know, today. I don't know if I, I, things have changed. I know it sounds ridiculous, but a lot of See, things have changed since the nineties. Um, this is where, but this is where I, this is where I think he made that reference about government music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they rage against machine is definitely voiced their favor of socialism and, and, you know, praising leaders like Fidel Castro uh, for you know when he passed away and stuff like that, it's like they they definitely paved that kind of way for that style of government. And this dude from Skillet, he's like hardcore right wing, super Christian, and now the hardcore right wing, where they used to be the government, they were the book burners. Now it's like they are the ones going, hey, you know, don't don't infringe on my rights, and they do have somewhat of an argument when you when you're talking about these vaccination mandates and stuff like that. I mean, there's people out there that really don't want to get it done. And the government's like, well, you better get it done or you're not going to be able to work or you're not going to be able to go to concert. You're not going to be able to go with yourself. So they're making it harder and harder on these people. So I understand when they're calling. So I understand when they just look at somebody who's got an opposing viewpoint as, oh, you're pro-government. And it's like Rage Against the Machine isn't pro-government. It's just that they, they speak on behalf a government style that opposes the guy from Skillet. That's it. They're they're I mean, people have always tied them to socialism and communism and things like that. So there is a government tinge to them, but I don't I'm not saying that that is their exact route. But again, they can speak for themselves. I'm going to read uh, one paragraph of the quote that John Cooper said trying to explain what he meant. And this is what he wrote. So a lot of the bands, they just don't know what to do. And when I say they, I mean we're in there too. 
We just don't know what to do because you're in an entertainment industry that's largely driven by social media and media at large. And you're not allowed to speak anything against. I mean, you've got Rage Against the Machine telling people that if they don't get a vaccine, Rage Against the Machine has become the machine. It's crazy. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm the revolutionary here. I'm the revolutionary and Rage Against the Machine is just government rock now. My older brother made up the term government rock, which I find pretty awesome. I think it's pretty great. It's a great way to scoff at someone. Yeah. So I don't even understand. So pretty that. much what I said. Yeah. Pretty much what I said. It's you, just, you nailed it. It's yeah. just here. Yeah. Here's an opposing viewpoint that I disagree with. So let me go ahead and take. Now, they, okay. Rage Against the Machine has ties to socialism, but they're not socialists. No, no. Obviously, they're, you know, they're, they're Americans. Yeah. I know. And that's it. Well, and that's the thing. But this is always what happens when mm-hmm. you get these spot there that want to talk about socialism. It's like, well, look at how often you take advantage of being a capitalist and you're trying to say that you don't want this now. Bullshit. You love it. You just like, you just like being contrarian. It's kind of like, that's kind of what I look at Rage Against the Machine as, where it's like when they're going off on their, their government things, it's like, they just look contrarian. We're just looking for something different because the old, the old guard isn't working. And meanwhile, this guy from Skillet's like, you know, oh, because I'm blasting the government. I've always blasted the government. Uh, you know, my side, my political side has always uh, stood up against the government. It's like, no, you didn't. Your side has done just as much bad shit as the other side. So why are you trying to why Why are you driving a wedge in between your fans? His rhetoric is uh, much more organized and, and more part of a group think, which would be a governing body where Rage Against the Machine is obviously. Um, yes, there's a, a large group that thinks similar to. The, the just the injustices that they see but, it, but in essence but point, it's not though, the it's it's not led by a group think it's led by kind of these four individuals that are bringing things to light for you and let you do your thing and they welcome everybody in that's the difference between rage and maybe the comments that this dude's making is that he's he's catering to a very very specific audience of thought process where rage when they came out if you guys were alive and active they didn't they didn't push anybody out of the way for their shows. They said, we're going to do our message. We're going to bring it to the stage. Come if you want. And that's always been a thing. Now, yes, clearly okay. it's a left leaning. But the beauty of, thing. but Go the ahead. beauty of, but the beauty against the machine, it was when they came out. Rage against the machine came from a time when there was a little bit of mystery to the band. So people, so the message that they were putting out there, you'd have to pick up a fucking magazine or you'd have to actually listen to the lyrics of the song to figure out exactly what they're getting into. Nowadays, because you have artists just constantly like this guy making nowadays, it's not music that's getting the headlines. It's his political, it's his political, um, his stances, you know what I mean? And it's like, so now the personality is grabbing the headlines instead of the actual music and rage. They were grandfathered into when the music, what did all talking. And because they haven't released a new album in God knows when, you know, now we can 22 years, 21 years. Yeah. Yeah. Now we can, now we, we can still hold on to what they meant back in the nineties. Well, things have changed, man. Things have completely changed. And it's like for rage against the machine now to come out, you know, as 40 late forties, 50 year old guys and still say the same political ideology, it's not going to come out right. And they're going to turn off some of their fans. No, people grow. People grow and people, yeah, when people pe- adapt. And, yeah. and you're right about that. But um, I still feel like if you're protesting, man, uh, 
Freedom's the track for you, man. You know, killing the name is the track. It, it's it's it says it all, dude. Absolutely. We're, just like Absolutely. we're not gonna take it, you know, by Twisted Sister or whatever. It's like, dude, right. there's certain songs, but Rage was a band that lived that. Every song, every every track they did, all three records plus the covers record, you know, and that's that's the difference. Now, last question before we jump into our interview, guys. Which member of Rage Against the Machine is on Marilyn Manson's uh, computer doing naughty shit? <laughs> I don't think Eddie. I don't think Eddie. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean with I'm with you on that. I will be so disappointed if Zach De La Roca is on that fucking computer. So. That would be that, yeah, Zach, uh, all of them, yeah, exactly. None that of would, them. Yeah, exactly. Tom Morello, you better not be even one. have a photo next to Marilyn Manson and some poor naked person. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you could have a photo backstage at the Grammys, fine, but yeah. not with some naked senior-old. So with wearing a a baloney helmet, you know what I mean? Like it's just with that callback, if I may, let's jump into my interview with the one and only Jamie Morgan from code orange. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. Back on the show, I got Jamie from Code Orange, and we are here to celebrate, man, the standalone single you guys just put out, Out for Blood, and the video, dude. Let's let's jump right into it. Let's talk about that stuff. So, um, obviously, we had a lot of time last year, you know, um, during the pandemic, and um, the standalone single, tell me why you guys decided to go this route with this track. Yeah, no, I mean, it was pretty simple. I mean, we've been working on a lot a lot of material especially over the last year or so since our last live stream and before we started touring so like since around last october and uh we just you know with the first thing we wanted to put out you know there's a body of work being created of course but you know what we wanted to do was we really wanted to fill the void of for me what was a little bit of a hole what we had going on which is you know oh the word fun is not necessarily a word we often use when coming up with music or making the records that we've made in the past you know there's a lot of uh dissection and a lot of puzzle pieces we're trying to put together to make usually something that is uh all kind of ties in together and tells a little bit of a story so you know i was listening to dmx and i was listening to pantera walk and i was listening to white zombie and stuff that just got me really jacked up and made me want to run through a wall. And I was just thinking honestly to myself and talking to everybody else, like, why don't we have one song at least that you can throw on and makes you want to do the Kool-Aid man through a wall that makes you want to drive off a fucking bridge, you know? And, uh, so we got to work and that was pretty much it. And uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot more compact and it's definitely simpler and, and and i think it's more immediate than a lot of songs we've done but that's exactly what we sought out to do so and it's it's dude it came out exactly how you described it which is excellent but you guys have done the standalone single i mean a couple years back we did three knives uh only one way single so you've done that um as an artist are there certain tracks because like you said underneath was one of our favorite records of, of 2020 and it is an arc that you guys always put together when you put it together so um, are you a big fan of having the singles to kind of just like, I don't know, um, get the creative juices flowing in kind of a smaller space? Does that work for you guys really well? Oh, 100% because one, just the way that, you know, not to even get into the nitty gritty, but the way that things are set up mm-hmm. on the rock and metal side in terms of labels, like in terms of 
uh, budgets in terms of, you know, it takes so, and now there's all this vinyl backup. It takes so long to get these full projects out and into the world. And um, that factors in a lot to our decision-making and what we, you know, what, how we want to release music. Because like I said, you know, we're always, and I think you can hear, I think people who heard the last record know this, especially, you know, it's like, we're, there's, there's always something overarching going on because that's just the way we like to approach music. But it's also fun to um, veer off sometimes and, you know, hit them with a quick punch and hit them with something. Uh, in the past, that's been for different reasons. Like, it's because I or all of us wanted to show different colors and show different cards and gearing up to do what we knew we were going to do with underneath after our record forever. Uh, and this one is definitely serving a different purpose, but it's coming from the same mindset. I like to, we love to keep going. If it was up to us, things would come out much quicker, but that's just not the way that when it comes to recording a full band and it comes to releasing and it comes to vinyl and all of this, it's, it's not possible right now the way it is for other genres. Cause, uh, metal and um rock and the like are not you know really being honest are not like super streaming based genres so you can't really just throw things out there on streaming and they stick the way that they do in other genres in my opinion so that definitely factors into our decision making absolutely and dude from a fan perspective there's a lot more life in underneath like i don't want a new record yet i want to you guys to tour that for a while and i know that's probably not what you know people want to hear out there but like truly the visual aspect that you put in there because we've talked about you you do your own designs and all the visual stuff that came with underneath and that first streaming show which i want to touch base on i i want i want you guys to share that with the world i know that it's we're in a weird spot right now but do you kind of have that same feeling where it's like dude we can't move forward yet there's so much life to this record still I feel that, and I did feel that in my heart for a while. But at some point, you have to disconnect from that because that's not reality. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we're not going to go and continue to do that. You know, we'll be announcing tours very soon, um, where I'm sure most of what you're going to be hearing is going to be underneath. And I hope we're going to actually be able to bring it to life in a little bit of a different way. But here's the reality: I can't control the pandemic. I can't control time as much as I want to and and, and try to. You know, the world moves on and we see that, you know, I, I like to be honest and not bullshit around. We see that in our, in, in everything. We see that in our views. We see that in our merch. We see that in our streams. People are just continuing to listen to underneath over and over. They're not. And that's the case for pretty much everybody, unless you're at a very, very uh, certain, unless you're in the 1%, to be honest, of bands. Um, so, the best thing I could think to do, and I think that Out for Blood is absolutely part of that, is to do things that can continue to shine a light for new people and, and for our fans as well, but maybe for people who haven't heard it, um, to underneath, to do that record, the, the service that I believe it should be done, and to just continue pushing forward at the same time on whatever the next step will be. You know, I think, and I think Out for Blood we're already seeing it, which is awesome. It's already gaining views faster than any video we've ever done. It's streaming quicker than almost any song we've ever done. Um, and it's getting added at radio. It's getting played on Octane. What do you think those people are going to do? 
They're going to hear that song. And then what's next to hear underneath it's there. You're so right. that's how you keep the, that's how you keep the machine moving. You don't just sit there uh, and sit on your hands and cry and pout. Well, I think underneath was really special and I want more people to hear. Well, guess what? They're not hearing it. That's the truth. That's the reality. They're not hearing it. So I want them to hear it. And I don't want just 500 people to hear it in the city or 700 or 800. I want thousands of people in every city to be there to hear it and to hear whatever else it is that we do going forward. So that's that's how we operate. We we don't think about what we want. We just look at what reality is and we move forward. That's awesome, though, man. A lot of bands aren't in that present, you know. They, they have to kind of do this sort of steps as they go. And I think that's fantastic for the fan base as well. Now, we did talk a little bit about the streaming shows that you guys did. When you did that first streaming show, When Underneath was released, uh, tell me about like your, your mindset because it went off fantastic. But tell me about the first one opposed to the next one that you guys did. I will tell you that, but let me tell you one other thing first based off what you just said. Mm-hmm. A lot of bands are scared, and this is why they're scared. It makes sense because when you go out on a limb or when you take a left turn or when you do something where you put your nuts on the table a little bit, what happens now is you get ripped up, you get beat up and it's not a risk that everybody wants to take. You know, I'll I'll say it in that many words. If I wanted to, if we wanted to, we have the ability to continue to up the level of one side of what it is that we do. And I think people who are listening to this will know what I'm saying. We have the ability to make it not only continuously more extreme, but continuously more innovative. But the reality is no one's going to fucking hear it. That is the reality. So if, if, if we can do things again, and, and, out for Blood is a song that I fucking love. It's a song that I would throw on lifting or throw on doing jiu-jitsu or throw on driving 200 miles on the street or throw on in a fucking vampire club. I love it. But if we can do things to shine a light on everything else we've done and that we have done, it's a be crazy not to situation. But bands don't want to do that often because you know why? You stand in the fire now more than ever because every single thing everyone thinks you could see, and they make sure that you see it, and they make sure you feel like shit. That's 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 it's just what we do now, you know. So, I just wanted to give a full answer to the previous thing before going forward. But in terms of the uh, streaming show, it was awesome. It was so long ago that my brain feels like a different. I don't even. I'm not even in the same mental space, but. It set us up for everything we did. It set me up so when we got up there playing with Slipknot and playing these festivals, I felt like I knew exactly what to do. And I feel like if we didn't do those and we didn't push the boundaries in that regard, um, we wouldn't have been ready. You know, we wouldn't have been ready the way I wanted to be ready because we would have spent weeks on tour getting ready. And there's no time to get ready when you're dropped in front of a new crowd. It's just time to go. So I think that that was the first one. And, the two after that, I'm honestly more proud of in terms of like artistically because they show different sides of what we can do and they kind of realize the visual elements and 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 the, and the like a little bit clearer and kind of add uh, some scenery to the album, I think. Dude, and I agree with that on, on, on all levels that you just said that. Now, the streaming shows is something that I think is a positive, if I may. It's not something that we yeah. all thought about, you know, previously in the pandemic, but I think it is something that can live on. 
and and so yeah. many event shows, I or event shows or whatever kind of shows, because I've always been a, a proponent of bands. Yeah, hey, do some deep cuts. Well, obviously you can't do it on tour, but streaming shows, man, you can do some deep cuts for us fans. It's awesome stuff. So I I love definitely. That. I love that that element. I completely agree. We got and and for us, we got to play a bunch of songs. Hmm. We even like for the second one, that was more of an acoustic kind of weird electronic acoustic thing we even got to like write again like we were writing we were writing on top of our old songs and combining with our new songs and doing all kinds of shit that literally just wouldn't be possible if we were on like a touring schedule you know i wouldn't be able to make combine two songs into a song and and make these new interludes and kind of add a whole new element so i love that i completely agree that part of it's awesome and, and a, a thousand percent everyone i've seen i'm like everybody's doing something new and original and you're like you just said it's not something you can get on a on the full tour but it's a different format and i love that bands are aware of that it's like all right this is a different format this has got a tv base it's got a lot of things but um absolutely when we talked about that slipknot show um how was that tour was there a little bit of rust when you jumped in there or were you guys just ready to go right away I would say there was rust the first week. You know, the very first show we played was in our hometown. It was our biggest show we've ever played in our hometown that had been sold out for a long time. It was screens. It was it was the only show we were able to do full production to. So that was very stressful. And I did feel the moment a little bit there. And I came out of that saying, I wish that was at the end of the tour, not the beginning. Because it was hard to it was hard to shake all that up and plus for people who don't know, I was drumming and singing before, and now I'm, I'm up front, which I think has, I mean, in terms of the Slipknot shows, has made a world of difference in getting over, as the boys say. You know, so the first show, I felt that, though. I felt it. I felt as much as I practiced and worked hard, you could just feel unsure till you get up there. And then show two, we were starting to go, but show two was a festival, and I do feel we honestly did a good job, but I feel by week two of the tour, we were, we were a fucking machine. And that was that. I mean, by the end, it was, by the end, it was just like, it ain't even fair in my opinion that to the others, we were fucking everybody up, but beginning we were a little bit, you know, you got to get back on the horse. I mean, we practiced our ass up, but we had a brand new drummer, you know, I'm doing a new role. There's a lot of logistics going on, but now we're good to go. So it was great. Excellent. And you brought up uh, Max Portnoy, the new drummer for the band. Tell us how that whole worked out for you guys. And obviously, you know, Mike is royalty, his dad. But how'd you guys uh, get Max involved? And and, um, he's a full-time member, correct? Yeah, as of now, he is. I mean, the way that it goes is this. Like, again, just being straight real, no bullshit. The way it goes is we're a family. There's five of us, me, Joe, Reba, Dominic, and Eric. I've known those, those kids since I was about 14 Reba I've known since I was about 11 and the rest I've known since I was 14 years old. So there's a level of trust and family uh, that can't be, you know, it's, it's a bond that is just, it's the reason we get through the hard times we get through. It's the reason we get through the periods where we make literally no money at all. It's because we all, this is our blood. Like we feel like we have a purpose in doing this. It's not about anything else. Now, when you're bringing somebody new into the fold, you need time to see, you need time to see. So that's why I don't, I won't say he's this or that. I will say this. Every sign so far is that he's an amazing kid, an amazing drummer, and an amazing fit. And I really hope that we can continue that, you know, because I hope that 
I want it. That's what I want. We want we want that role to be filled with somebody that we really love. I mean, I just really love him on a personal level at this point. He's just awesome to get along with. He kills it live. He knows the game. He knows how to practice, and that's because of his father. You know, his father was the first one that I called. I, I called his father about this before him because I didn't want to be disrespectful because I, I know that his son has his own band, you know, mm. and I know that. I'm not going to, I didn't want to just call. I didn't know his son. I knew him. So I didn't, I wanted to call and just be like, yo, is this even a thing that would be possible? You know? And once he said, yeah, he was like 100%. It was game on from there, but so far so great. It's going, it's, it's going as good as it can go. He's just a really great kid. He's a special talent. I agreed, man, uh, all the way through, like you said. And it's crazy because I remember when I talked to Mike, uh, he told me his favorite band at the time was Vane. And I'm like, where'd you get that, man? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's on he the pulse still. I would always think that the oh, older he, dudes. he loves that shit. Yeah, he's on the oh, pulse, yeah, he man. Loves that shit. So that, that's excellent news. But, yeah, it's exciting, and, and it brings a new element, you know, for us fans in the live thing because I'm so used to seeing you back there and singing, which um, yeah. to me, I mean – like it just seems almost extremely difficult to do both. So in any which way, it's going to be, um, you know, a new level, I guess, in a lot of ways as a front man, a new level, if if I'm allowed. Yeah. As a front man now, (laughs) truly like in the front of the the stage, what did, what was the hardest part for you to get used to, to have that mic in the front? Cause you've been so used to doing the drumming in the back. Uh, Well, there's a couple things. I mean, I'll say to start though, like this feels like, you know, I've been talking to you and I've been talking to everybody for a while. Being there and being in that position, it just feels like what I'm supposed to do. Mm. You know, it almost felt like what I was doing before. It was always hard for me to get into part of the performance of it. It was almost like what well, about being back there? I felt like I was almost playing a little bit of like a director role or so, you know, like and I enjoyed that, but I wasn't able to spread my wings and be the be the prick that I am, you know what I'm saying? And I want to be up there and be me. And being up there is as me as it gets. And everybody who knows me knows that, for better or for worse. So it just has felt completely natural. And that's partially because my band is so fucking supportive and has helped me work it out. The hardest part is just figuring out what to do with your body, in my opinion, at first, because everything else I've done. And also, it is fucking exhausting. It is much more exhausting than drumming and singing. It's not even close, to be honest. I mean, drummers have it easy as fuck, to be honest. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. Drummers have it easy as fuck. It really ain't that hard. And doing the singing shit is hard. It's tiring. It's exhausting running around up there and trying to, like, actually. Also, when I would sing in the back, like, I could never even hear the vocals. So I wasn't even trying to sound good because I just, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't hear it. My stomach was like really constricted sitting down and I have some nose issues. And so it was hard to get breath drumming and singing. So that's where you got a lot more of the kind of squeaking and squawking that I was doing at the time. And I think that's cleared up a lot. Um, being able to stand up and, and use my full diaphragm and, you know, it's, it's been great. I've, I've been loving it, man. And it's been working. It's been working with the, with these, with these kids, with these Slipknot kids. It's been working because they're getting it now. And that's what they, that's what we need. That's what it's all about. You're right. There's no muscle memory to singing, uh, drummers. That's no. all. Because some drummer out there is like, no, dude, I challenge you. It's harder. <laughs> right, but, hey, dude. Yeah. Hey, I'll say this. There's a lot. There's a lot better drummers than me, and I'm sure their shit's hard. My yeah. shit was not that hard, other than setting it up all the time and taking it down and dragging it around. It was like I was just sitting back there. I knew what to do. 
You're not in their face. You're not looking them in their eyes. I like to stand up there now and just look them in their fucking eyes. I want to see them. You know, I want to see these people. I just want to let them know we're here. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are not scared. We're never fucking scared. So you can't really do that in the back. You can say this and that, but you're not right there. No, absolutely, my man. So when we're talking about the visual aspect, one more time, everybody, if you haven't checked out the new single, Out for Blood, make sure you're picking it up. We're jumping into the visual aspect. And the video, as you mentioned, is getting a lot of views. Tell me about, because you guys design your own stuff. You guys, you're always on the pulse of the visual part as well for Code Orange. Um, tell me about this video and kind of the visual style that you needed to present with this song. Yeah, the video, you know, I worked on and wrote as like a continuation from what we had been doing previously in our videos. It's kind of like a video story that we have going on that, you know, kind of runs almost parallel to the album, I would say, and, and, and what the, the story the music is telling. Um, so we wanted to continue that, and that was kind of the, the jump-off point. And uh, we knew we wanted to make it like almost like this – one thing we knew off the bat we wanted to do is we wanted to do a video that had a real crowd, which we've never done before because it's very difficult and had extras and we were really going for it. So we were thinking, we were thinking blade of course opening. We were thinking Jacob's ladder, like fucking scary, like club scene. We were thinking Hellraiser, like when, when uh, like all the chains and hooks and everything. Uh, it's kind of like the beginning of the video. I wake up, um, having jumped off a roof at the end of our video for swallowing the rabbit hole. And then I kind of see myself and cut through this screen of myself and enter kind of this nightmare reality uh, where uh, my clone lies. And, you know, it kind of goes from there. It's a whole fucking convoluted story nobody gives a fuck about, but that's what I like to do. So that's what we did. No, dude, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm a fan of the continuation. So do you have plans to continue on the story? Um, with more music or more yeah. music in the future? Yes, that's cool, man. Yeah, that's we cool. We take we take it though. We take it how we take it. We try not to make it. Yeah. I try to not make it so rigid that new things can't come along and refresh it. So we are going to find a way to refresh it. And I kind of already feel like we know what that angle is in a lot of ways, and it'll continue to develop. And Eric will develop it, Shade and Reba will develop it, and we'll grow it to a place where. We don't just feel like we're trudging on and on and on because that's fucking boring, 100. Uh, percent But maybe maybe there's a new path that it can take, the new angle, and uh, we love doing that. I just love like I love cinematic music videos that star the band, that have the band in them, and I feel like that's a little bit of a lost art for me. I mean, I see especially in heavy music. I mean, to me, a lot of the music, music videos and heavy music are just lame. I mean, and that's my opinion. So that's why we, we try to put as pour as much into it as we possibly can on the uh, budgets that we have. Uh, we try to just stretch it. I want every video to be like a little mini movie, you know? I mean, whether you fucking hate the song or not, this is how I know motherfuckers are just haters, just, every, just haters in general. I could see putting a song on. If you're a simple, simpleton, dumb motherfucker... I see why you put the song and go, this is dumb, they sold out, blah, blah, blah. But if you can't see that video and, and see something in that, you're just a hater. End of the day, it's pretty much that. You're just a fucking hater. So I challenge anybody to watch the video and at least not uh, say, all right, 
you know, it might not be my thing, but it's it's cool because it's fucking cool. It's badass. So, but I love horror movies and sci-fi and thrillers and books and you know, this, this is the kind of stuff that fuels us on the art art side. Like like I'm sure most most it does for most people, but we like to get into the detail work. That's pretty much it. I love that you touched base on that because I'll tell you right now, the music videos for Heavy Metal, you're, you're right. They haven't been challenging. And I've seen so many in other genres where I can't stand the song, but I'll sit there and be like, dude, that, they nailed that. Whoever did that art, whoever did the visual yeah. thing. And, and the fact that you know you guys don't get that, that's crap because you're right, man. You do put in the effort and all that stuff. I think the song. Hey, we don't get a lot of stuff, but we'll get it in the end. Oh, you will. That is what it is. We're, we're, yeah. we're not a band. I mean, we, I completely understand that in a lot of ways mm. we're engineered to be a band that – I don't like saying like controversial because we don't like getting into anything outside of the music because I think that's stupid. But that is not, it's meant to be polarizing. I mean, that is literally the point in a lot of ways. And that's because we're bored, you know? So I, that being the case, I 100% understand like there's going to be a lot of people who don't like it left, right? We've seen it many times. You know, this new one is a bit of like a, it's been more heavy handed, which we were very aware of. I mean, we were talking about what they were going to say before they said it. And they said exactly what I thought they would say. And what Reba and all of us thought they'd say. But it's been a little more heavy handed this time. But we've been through this with Bleeding in the Blur when it first came out. We were getting buried. Whether people can revisionist history at all they want. We were getting buried. Underneath the song when it came out, we were getting shit on. Absolutely shit on. Then the second one came out, everybody shut up. Which is probably a little bit the difference here because this is a standalone song. So I understand that. But um, that's the path that we chose to walk. That's the fire that we chose to stand in. And most bands don't choose to stand in that, which I get. I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's not fun. The negative part is not fun. But we, we, we made the bed, and I'm, I'm down to lie in it. Art's not supposed to be safe, man. You're not supposed to play it safe. You're supposed to be authentic. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter. And, uh, and you, have, you have to be. And, 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 and in my opinion, for me, there's no point in doing a band right now for me to just be another band to just exist amongst the minnows and to just have fun to play play shows because it's fun and I, I don't see the point there's nine million bands dude there's bands that do everything there is to do and there's a lot of great ones especially in the underground you know I don't think there's a ton of great ones up top necessarily right now uh, that are still kicking. But there's a lot of great ones in the underground. This, the, the, the inn is full. The shit is sold out. There's no, there's, no, there's no more room. You know what I mean? So in my opinion, and I know a lot of people disagree with this, if you're going to do it or if I'm going to do it, then try to shake it up. Do something. Just do something. Do something, you know what I'm saying? 100%. So that's it. No, 100%. I, I, I'm the same way, man. Look, life is fast for all of us, and, and music sometimes is background noise, and I want the bands that make me stop and listen, and they have to be different. You know, um, if, Absolutely. If I, if Absolutely. I do a, a shuffle of thrash bands, let's just say, and I love thrash music, I'm not talking shit, but yeah, I can, I'll tune out, and it'll be four different bands, and that's where I'm like, whoa, that's not good something and then the one that sticks out oh, sure. takes a risk i'm like who is this whoever stops you to make you pull out your phone and look at the name of the band 
that's the band you want to be. <laughs> so. hey, the, the, one, the one thing that no one can say about us, no one on this earth can say that we don't roll the dice every fucking time. Yeah. We always roll the dice. We never play it safe. You know, we never play it safe. And we could write an album entirely of like swallowing the rabbit holes and in fears and stuff like that. But uh, I don't want to. You know, there's, I don't see the point. I don't see the purpose. So I, I get why. But I understand what comes with that. So, well, yeah, and I'm with you, man. But the, you want to use all the talent in the band, and you want to use everybody that that plays their part because all you guys have roles and do something special. So to play one song type of thing, I get exactly what you're saying. But in, in my opinion, yeah, you get it. In my opinion, you guys have never done that. I know. You know what I'm saying? So it's never. always been that way. So never. And they try yeah. to paint us in a back in a box. Like oh, they try to tell me that back then we were doing this. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> Uh, like I remember back then you weren't there <laughs> and guess what? We were made fun of back then all the time for different reasons, but the same way we're made fun of now, we haven't, we ain't had no easy ride. We never were the band. Everyone thought was cool. There's been brief periods. And by brief, I mean, maybe like a month or two around maybe I am King and around the forever record at the beginning where it feels like we're really cool, you know, on all, on most fronts, still not all, but it never lasts. They always turn. There's always something said that, you know, it always goes that way for us. It's just what we're used to. We're not, we're used to being, we're used to being, uh, I don't know what you, what you'd call it, but we're used to being in that position. That, so, so I think that's a good thing. Cause the more this thing grows and it will continue to grow, uh, you got to be ready for that shit. If you're just used to getting, you know how many shows I've played and I've got up there where nobody moved a fucking muscle. Nobody sang a word. People flipped me off. Literally nobody gave a fuck. You know, when we were little guys in this era that some of these, uh, some of these people like say is the best or whatever, people would would just yell shit at us on stage. They want to move an inch. They want to do anything, you know? So if it was up to everybody talking, we would be doing nothing. I'd be working at McDonald's and that's pretty much it. So it ain't up to them. A hundred percent. And you know, and I know as a fan that the positive energy, we show up for the shows, we buy those records, all those other guys. Oh yeah. I, I doubt they do any of that shit. So you just stick to the silent majority. The guys that are, are oh, here no, to support dude, that we, do, yeah. we got some hundred yeah, percent. We got you know some it. great fans, bro. And I appreciate you saying that. Honestly, thank you for, for that support. And I like, you know, a lot of times like, websites like this one and stuff will get kind of stigmatized in a way because there's just a lot of there'll be nasty people on there but i feel like it's not really the people who are doing it it's just the same pool of people that are out there you know so and 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 i get it i'm a hater as well in my heart in a lot of ways but you know it's it's a hateful world but but we have some of the most awesome fans you know we got a discord if people want to check it out dinners of the herd that has a couple thousand members and it's pretty active and we're always all on there, all chat on there. So if we got any fans that want to get in the mix there, come check out our Discord, Thinners of the Herd. Absolutely, guys. Do that and make sure you're also getting the new single, Out for Blood, checking out the video. Man, Jamie, my time ran out. I do apologize. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. So I want to thank you so much, Jamie, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. I appreciate you a lot. Thank you for the kind words. Sorry for talking to you off. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Check, check. Yeah.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is the standalone single, the new single from Code Orange. That track is called Out For Blood. Make sure you guys are checking out the video. Love that track, Out For Blood, the latest single from Code Orange. Second song you heard is from a band called Doxma. That track is called Black Blood of the Earth. Their new album, Unmarked Boxes, is out right now. It's D-A-X-M-A. Big fan of the band. Make sure you guys are checking out Unmarked Boxes if you haven't. And with that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews. We keep getting on the good old Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast team. Five-star reviews. No words, nothing, guys. The number keeps growing. We truly appreciate you guys take the time to listen. But also, if you can review the show, we know you're out there. It motivates us to keep going, getting these interviews. I always bring up, we've been doing this for five years. We haven't missed a week. You know, and we always figure out a way to make these work for you guys because we really care about you guys listening. All we ask for in return is that five-star review on Apple iTunes and also support on our other podcast. If you guys haven't checked out our other podcast, it's called Rise to Offend. It is a different format. It's a documentary discussion podcast where we do a documentary on offensive characters in history and how they kind of look today. Marilyn Manson, we did six hours on him. Charles Bukowski, if you guys don't know about that poet, you got to check out that episode. Fantastic guy. John Walsh, and the list goes on and on, guys, from movies to books, Chappelle Show, uh, Peter Steele from Typo Negative. We did a six-hour episode on him, Jenna Jameson. So go ahead and check out other podcasts, Rise to Offend. If you haven't, you want to learn a couple things. That is available everywhere as well. Talk to you guys next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.